Garage Logic, broadcasting live from the office of the mayor above the boathouse on the east shore of Spoon Lake. Featuring the rookie on production, Chris Reavers, vice president of social media, and John Height in the newsroom. Now, the fireworks commissioner, flashlight king, and keeper of common sense, your mayor, Joe Souchere. Sitting in for Joe Souchere today. Is he resting up for the Hubbard holiday party? Can I only assume that? That's right, that's tomorrow, isn't it? I believe he's in use it or lose it mode with his. I don't think he had anything planned, but maybe cleaning out the garage or uh, similar to um, uh, the drummer for the Rolling Stones. Uh, his name is escaping me right now. Er, Charlie Watts, who doesn't have his driver's license, but he has a British car collection, so he just sits in the car and looks at the dashboard. Well, and and plus, much like Charlie Watts, uh, Joe has about 12 weeks of vacation. Um, <laughs> yes. So it's, when you get yes. into use it or lose it mode, uh, that could be all of December. Well, true. And over the years, he's always just given back. And this year he said, you know what? I think I'm going to take a couple extra days off to get stuff done. Ah, uh, the what? don't you love that stuff? Go to, go to the bank and get some uh, tabs at the uh, DMV. That's about it. Then doesn't he's that done. doesn't that sound like any Saturday for any of us? Yeah, I got a lot of stuff to do. Got a lot of stuff to do. Nobody right? ever defines it because it really is just a mis mishmash of yes. who knows what. Uh, speaking of stuff, but welcome. There is a lot of stuff. Well, Rook, uh, welcome to you. Uh, last time I was in, you were not here. I think it was over uh, Thanksgiving weekend. Uh, yes, maybe? yeah, I took a uh, took a day off. Uh, I had to get some stuff done. Yeah. <laughs> or some stuffing done. I had to get some as stuffing done. Some is what stuffing it was. That's done what it really in that was, yes. particular case. Because uh, unlike the 12 weeks that Joe gets, you get uh, 12 days. That's about it. Yeah. About that. yeah you're, not, you're not too far off. <laughs> but, about one a month. Yes. That's good. But you got your weekends, too. I got so my weekends, not, too, so I'm good. So, so I don't let's, have to, let's right. not complain. Right. I'm not complaining. By now, that. speaking of stuff, have you ever seen, well, it's Minnesota, so of course we've seen a crazier political time. <laughs> you know, pick an era. But this is getting pretty close to about as crazy as it gets. We've got, right now, just to review for you, we have one uh, or two sitting U.S. senators. We have a U.S. senator in waiting. We have uh, one lieutenant governor and a lieutenant governor in waiting, we think. She's having lunch right now with mm -hmm. the governor. I wonder what they're having. Over at the governor's uh Residents, and then of course we now will have in 2018 the governor's uh, office, both U.S. Senate seats, all eight congressional seats, all 134 members of the Minnesota House are going to be up for grabs. Uh, the only thing where people can kind of kick back and 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 have a cigar and watch everything is in the Minnesota Senate. But even there, we're likely to have well, we will have some special elections that will be taking place. So. If it's, Larry it's pretty Jacobs crazy. doesn't report to us that we are going to have 100% participation in November's election, <laughs> I'm going to be shocked. If only Larry was available. Wait, wait I, I think I hear Larry wait now. 
It's either Larry or Santa. I'm not sure. I'm pretty sure. Pretty sure it's. Uh, I'm pretty sure it's Larry. I'm just enjoying the conversation. You guys are just lighting it up. Uh, Larry, I just set the stage for you. Larry Jacobs, of course, from the University of Minnesota Humphrey Institute of Public Affairs. Uh, Larry, this has got to be just such a wonderful time for you. Not just because it's the holiday season, but there is so much intrigue and and stuff as uh, Rookie and I were talking about, uh, to look forward to in 2018. Uh, do you even know where to begin to start analyzing all this? No, it's, it's really just a blessing of gifts to the political world. And, you know, the way I'd put it is I think this is a bonanza for those of us who love politics. If you're not one of those people, it may be one of those groaning moments where it's like, what is going on? Um, and I, I hear that a lot when I give talks or for my students. <laughs> But, you know, I think, though, with everything going on now, with the polarization, you could argue, that has been created, not created, but certainly uh, added to by President Trump, and the, the intrigue going on with all of the sexual harassment allegations at the state capitol and the nation's capitol, you know, if there's one thing the, the average person who might not be interested in politics knows, they do know sex. And when there's sexual, when there's sexual harassment allegations flying around, and people are losing their jobs, and other people are now yeah. running for those jobs, people get that. People understand that. People start tuning in. So I, I think in 2018, I, you know, even though midterm elections generally have kind of a depressed uh, voter turnout, I don't know that that's going to be the case here in Minnesota. What do you think? Well, Minnesota usually leads or is one of the leaders in turnout, and I think that'll be the case this year because we're going to have some very competitive, very important races. I think Minnesota is going to be ground zero for um, this cycle. Why? Because we've got one of the few states we're going to have an open, uh, essentially an open U.S. Senate seat. Uh, we have another U.S. Senate race that, with Amy Klobuchar running for re-election. We have, you know, perhaps three or four of the congressional races that I think are going to be quite competitive, including the Tim Walt seat that will be open and obviously is in a very competitive area. Um, Jason Lewis is probably, you know, I mean, you just go around the horn. There's just a lot at stake in Minnesota for Washington. And usually that formula produces tens of millions of dollars. Well, and, and some people say it could be as many as five competitive congressional seats. If you throw in, obviously, the 8th District, which has been very uh, competitive, and that is going to be an interesting race again. Uh, in the 7th District, Colin Peterson, you would think, would be relatively safe. But we thought that two years ago, and that ended up being very close, even though he had a very underfunded opponent. And, you know, so it's just, it's it's really, you know, really, I think only Tom Emmer, Keith Ellison, and Betty McCollum would be the only three yeah. locks. I actually think that the Eric Paulson seat is uh, one of those areas where Democrats seem just determined to sink a ton of money. And not to really come that close. Paulson is probably a bit more conservative in the district, but he's also one of the most gifted politicians in Minnesota, and I think has built up quite a personal following that sometimes transcends party identification. Rare today, but I think for Paulson, because of his skills, it's working. And Democrats are just pouring money in there. Um, whether they, they're able to make that a competitive seat this time around, you know, I would say doubtful. Well, and they, they tried that two years ago with the, the Terry Bonoff race, and she lost by, well, I forget the exact number, but it was high double digits. 
Yeah, I mean, and that's he, what I'm, I don't think that's going to change. But you know, I think you're right about the the rest of the field. There's a lot of races, and each one of these races is going to be important for the House, where the in Washington, because the Republicans currently have the majority. Uh, but there are a lot of national um, kind of speculators about this who are thinking the Democrats could uh, take the majority. The overriding factor right now, and we've seen this in the past, is the president's historic unpopularity. I think the best case of this was probably in Alabama, which was freakish. <laughs> well, freakish. It, well, and, and so was the Republican candidate. And let's be sure. honest about that. You, I heard a lot of uh, pundits on the national cable network saying, you know, if if Democrats can win in deep red Alabama, they can win anywhere. And to which I would argue, yes, that's true if every Republican <laughs> candidate is a suspected child molester slash no, pedophile. You're, you're no doubt true. But if actually if you go to Virginia, uh, where the Republican candidate is very strong, very well-known, ran, a, I think, a quality campaign, what we saw there is that the white suburban um, districts that usually vote uh, Republican or give Democrats narrow majorities went overwhelmingly for the Democrats, and we just saw that also in Alabama. So that, that I think, is significant and shows the impact of a very unpopular Donald Trump. And you've got a lot of people in Congress, including the Speaker, uh, Paul Ryan, who are thinking there's trouble coming. Paul Ryan is talking about leaving. Yeah, and I, I will grant you Virginia was a, was a different case, but you got to remember Virginia is more of a swing state. Alabama is not a swing state. So in, in this case, yeah, uh, um, Democrats did very well in Virginia. There's, Virginia, there's no question about that. But, but people trying to extrapolate what happened in Alabama, that that's going to be replicated all over the no, country. No, 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 no. Because, I don't think it's going to be replicated. But it, yeah. if, you, if you look at some of these voting groups, particularly the suburban vote, that's worrying a lot of national Republicans, because those are usually pretty loyal Republican voters, and we're seeing particularly Republican women just being turned off in a very profound way by the president and the way he behaves. And that kind of backlash we've seen in the past. We saw it against President Bush. We saw it against uh, Barack Obama, particularly in 2010. And, you know, I think we're going to see a backlash against Donald Trump. Now, is it enough? The change the majority in the House representatives Washington, I'm not sure of that yet. The Senate, the uh, Republicans currently have a two-seat, well, one-seat majority come January. And they have good reason to expect that they might build on that majority because there are 10 Democrats running in seats that Donald Trump won. And um, you'd expect them to, to win some of those. Uh, question, though, is, is that going to happen given the environment? And you also have to imagine, because we're going to have uh, two open Senate seats here in Minnesota, tens of millions of dollars in outside money is going to be poured in here. I don't even, I can't even imagine what the limit is, if there yeah. is even a cap on how much will be spent here. Because even though Amy Klobuchar is relatively safe, uh, the Tina Smith uh, race is completely different. There's even, I, I read uh, in the Associated Press, uh, Senator Melissa Franz, a state senator, is talking about sometime by the end of the month, uh, uh, deciding whether or not she is going to run in a primary against Tina Smith, saying that maybe that seat shouldn't just be handed uh, to someone. So there could be some infighting before that even gets to the general. Oh, I agree with you. I think that's going to be the barn burner. Uh, Amy Klobuchar may not even attract you know, a high-quality Republican candidate, but I think 
the seat, the Franken seat that um, Tina Smith is holding is certainly going to attract a lot of attention. The key thing about Tina Smith, of course, is while she's been kind of behind-the-scenes person and, and the uh, lieutenant governor to Mark Dayton, she's never been the candidate. And the thing about being, being the candidate is people load up their bazookas and fire them at you. And not everybody can take that kind of barrage. Looking at her at the press conference, uh, was that yesterday, the day before? Yeah, two days ago. She looked stressed out. <laughs> and yeah. this is not even the campaign. Uh, and how she handles and whether she can consistently deliver a confident message and, and kind of um, uh, respond to what are going to be quite harsh uh, attacks uh, with lots of money behind them is, I think, a great uncertainty. So I think, yes, we're probably going to see some challenges uh, to Tina Smith, and it's not assured she's going to be the nominee. And, and Larry, we're going to take a quick break. We want to come back. I want to talk more about that, especially her connection to Planned Parenthood and how that uh, very polarizing issue might play in a statewide election, maybe the biggest role in several years here in Minnesota. We'll talk about that and some of the congressional races when we come back with Larry Jacobs from the University of Minnesota. You'll learn more here by accident than elsewhere by design. Here's Joe Suchere. And welcome back to Garage Logic. Deputy Mayor Tom Hauser. This is an unelected position, by the way. It will not be up. Or no, re-election in 2018. Exactly. Other than the Senate, <laughs> might, that's might, the only it's the only office that won't be vacated. I, I might not be up for re-election in 20 minutes. We don't <laughs> we don't know yet. Uh, Larry Jacobs, kind enough to join us from the University of Minnesota Humphrey Institute of Public Affairs. Uh, Larry, let's talk about the the Tina Smith race. You just know Republicans are going to make a major issue about the abortion issue. She used to work for Planned Parenthood. And that issue uh, does not play very well generally for Democrats, especially in greater Minnesota. Uh, how big of an issue do you think uh, that will be if she is the general election candidate in 2018? I think it's going to be a big issue in terms of uh, mobilizing the Republican base of support. And one of the big concerns that Republicans have is that there's a bit of discouragement, um, partly because the president is unpopular and they find him to be overly divisive. So I think this issue about Planned Parenthood would be, you know, tailor-made to kind of charging up the troops. Uh, it's unclear how it would play uh, with independents and obviously among Democrats, uh, not much of an issue at all except uh, by way of exciting them. I think the bigger issue for Tina Smith is going to be Mark Dayton's record. Uh, she's going to have to run on the Dayton record, and there's some real uh, car crashes in there, including the problems with Minsher and the um, sharp increases in premiums. Um, Not to mention and, tax increases, proposing gas tax exactly. increases. All of yeah. all of oh, that is oh, going to be tied to her. Yeah, oh, we're going to hear a whole lot about the Tina Smith record. People will forget that Mark Dayton was even governor. Um, well, and, and, and there will be some uh, credibility to that because she was chief of staff. Oh, yeah. And then she was lieutenant governor who probably, well, not probably, certainly had a lot of input on those things. Oh, yeah. I think it's very, it's fair game. Uh, though everyone who knows the administration knows that Mark Dayton was calling the shots. But there's no doubt that Tina Smith will quite, uh, you know, fairly be held accountable for the Mark Dayton record 
Um, and obviously Republicans are going to nail her as an extreme uh, lefty. Um, and, you know, whether that mobilizes um, enough support for their candidate, because their candidate will, of course, also be challenged. And on that front, you know, so far, I don't think a real strong quality candidate has emerged. So there's conversations that, that uh, you hear a lot about Tim Pawlenty. Yes, and we don't know whether he's going to run or not, but a lot of people forget that back in 2002, he initially wanted to run for the U.S. Senate, and then Dick Cheney intervened and said, no, you're going to run for governor, Norm Coleman's going to run uh, for the U.S. Senate. And so it's a question of whether or not he still uh, has that as a goal of his, to run for the U.S. Senate. And, and what I hear from people close to him as advisors is that he's very interested in running um, and that he's talking widely about it. One of the big stumbling blocks is the Republican Party today, which is increasingly controlled by Trump supporters and the Tea Party um, and other folks who are quite conservative. It's not the same Republican Party as when he ran and won uh, the endorsement and nomination. And yeah, I, he's got to he's got to kind of strap up his boots and decide that he wants to get bloody because that's going to be a brutal uh, nomination battle. And I don't hear any Republicans who are in the the fight for the nomination, saying they're going to step aside. Yeah, he might be considered too moderate uh, for the Republican Party the way it is now. We just got about a minute or two left. Real quickly, I want to get to you. The 8th District Congressional race, to me, it's not getting talked about much yet, but Stuart Mills is not running. The Republican who is running, Pete Stauber, I think is a really unique story, and I think that could be an interesting race between him and Rick Nolan. Pete Stauber uh, got a great hockey name. Up in the 8th District in the Duluth area, he was the captain of a Division I national championship hockey team. He's a police officer. His wife is an Iraq war vet. Uh, what do you make of that race? I think you're right. He's a very attractive biography. Uh, it's a whole lot different, though, uh, running for office. And as I was just mentioning with Tina Smith, you know, if you don't have experience running for office, it makes a big difference. He is a when county he, commissioner, but it's not a but it's not a, a wider office. You're right. Yeah, and he's going to take a brutal attacks from Democrats. I think that was the most expensive race in the, or one of the most expensive races in the country. And Rick Nolan is very skilled at playing the populist card. Uh, you may remember he did not endorse Hillary Clinton. He, he endorsed uh, Bernie Sanders and used that kind of strident populism to win over voters in a district that was won by Donald Trump. Yeah, so it's going to be fascinating to watch that. Just 30 seconds left. What is going to happen with Michelle Fishbach? She's having lunch with the governor right now at the governor's residence. Is she going to be able to serve as both lieutenant governor and as a state senator? Yeah, we're going to find that out. I think that may end up in the courts. And I have I commiserate with her because uh, being lieutenant governor to a liberal Democrat is no fun. She will be parked in a garage and will next see her, you know, years down the road. Yeah. Um, she will not have any significant policy role should be giving up a lot in the um, in this in the Minnesota Senate and the Republicans have a very tiny uh, two-seat majority and obviously that'll be cut in half if she does leave on the other hand she would be doubling her pay <laughs> but I don't think that's her main interest I think she likes the power and the influence she can have as a senator so they're having lunch right now we'll see how that plays out but just another one of the great quirky things we love about Minnesota politics she did not ask for any of this the governor's the one who appointed his lieutenant governor so uh, we'll see how that plays out but Larry Jacobs thank you for joining us as always your insight is appreciated Great to be with you, Tom. All right. Larry Jacobs from the University of Minnesota.
uh, Humphrey Institute of Public Affairs. Uh, and Congressman Paulson, who he mentioned earlier, is going to join us in about 15 minutes. Fantastic. Or so. We'll talk about the tax bill and how it will impact the listeners listening right now. We'll be back after this. Commencing Garage Logic segment number three. You know, segment number three is always my favorite segment, Rook. Did you know that? All right, because you have to do less. A little easy <laughs> listening music. Johnny Height does all the work, and I just kind of sit here and occasionally make a wisecrack. <laughs> yeah. Wisecracks so, are good. We, you know, that's... Isn't that like the dream job? It really is. Just it being, really is. Uh, let me um, be in the wisecracking sidekick. Right. Let me uh, react. Wait, to that's what you're your saying. job. You well, are the wisecrack. Yeah, but I'm the dumb one. You're, you're, you're still smart. You're a well, your college. Let's not get carried you're UST away. grad. So. Let's not get carried. Or CST. CST. No, UST. Is it UST? UST. Okay. Absolutely. All right. It was CST when I was there. College of Saint Thomas. College of Saint Thomas. And we right. spelled it with a K. So. Not St. No. Kate's. <laughs> you shaved well, your beard and wore a wig every abs- day in school. Absolutely. Uh, joining us now for the news is Mr. Johnny Height. Thanks, Tom. Cloudy and 26 degrees. Your Viking injury report for Sunday is out. Uh, out for that game, Mackenzie Alexander. Doubtful. Riley Reef and Kyle Rudolph. And Emmanuel Lemure is questionable. Uh, Riley Reef, uh, uh, as I said, and Kyle Rudolph are doubtful. Coach Mike Zimmer says Reef has a chance to play, but when asked if tight end Rudolph had a chance, he said no. You know, the next time you do an injury report for the Vikings, uh-huh. I think, Rook, you should find this sound from mm-hmm. the old Cheers episode. Do you remember when Sam uh, filled in as a sportscaster? And he made a rap about a guy who had a had a groin injury, a groin injury, I'll and he see. made up a whole rap. You should get that. That I'll could see if be I can find that, that one. could be the the walk up music for Johnny and his Vikings injury report. That's not a bad idea. I'm certain it's out there. Might not happen today, no, but I think it might for the next time you fill in. I think you could make it happen in an hour. I'll see what I can. All right, Johnny. Alex Daylock stopped 28. Stop shots. making more work for me during this segment. I'm trying to kick back and react, right? <laughs> Stalag stopping 28 shots to complete his first NHL shutout in three seasons. The Wild beat Toronto 2 to nothing. Are we going to have a goalie controversy on our hands? Mr. No, Mr. Puck? Now that you've started it, yes. Okay, good. <laughs> speaking of Stalock Alex. Stalock was really good last night. Speaking of Alex Stalock, and John, we're going to let you get on with the news here in a moment, I right. swear. <laughs> sure. If, do yourself a favor at some point. Go on YouTube and just uh, plug in Alex Stalock's name. Back when he was at the University of Minnesota Duluth, there were some kids up there who made some of the funniest videos about Alex Stalock, about how in Stalock we trust, and about <laughs> how he's this superhuman uh, guy. They are hilarious. I remember watching these around Christmas time about 10 years ago with my nephews who had found this on YouTube. And I checked the other day, they're still there. Huh. And they're really? very funny. Yeah, you should check them out. They're very funny. Some of them are even suitable to be played on the radio. How about, some of them. How about for walk up? Uh, yeah, you can okay. do that too. Okay, for sorry. Alex Stalock walk up. Yep. The Wild have Edmonton in town for a game at the Excel Energy Center tomorrow afternoon. Carl Anthony Towns, 30 points, 14 assists. The Timberwolves cruise to a 119 96 win over Sacramento last night. The Wolves meet the Phoenix Suns tomorrow night at the Target Center. Trying to show some love for our T Wolves. They appreciate your support. I was there last night. It was first time in the new arena. It's awesome. Yeah. Did you guys see the Bismarcks or whatever they were out here with the. Uh, Timberwolves uniforms on the Bismarcks. Yeah, we the, call those things donuts. Don't, John. Well, they weren't oh. donuts; they were filled. 
Did you see them? Oh, that because that would technically be what a Bismarck. Filled with? That would be a Bismarck. Yeah. But it wasn't Bavarian filled. Bavarian cream? They weren't filled? No. Oh, I thought they were. So there's just a regular long so john. So it's a donut. Just a long john. Yeah. A long john. A donut. Not a donut. Donut's round. Donut has to be round, Chris. These weren't round. I think technically it has to be round to be a donut, and a long john has to be rectangular. I'm on it. It's, it's a long john. All right, well, he's on well, it. I remember, this is from probably 7th or 8th grade, I don't remember who said it, but a donut without a hole is just a Danish. Oh, there you go. Yeah, we got Danish, I'm, we got Bismarck. I'm kind of sorry. I think it was Ty I, from Caddyshack. I, I, you wish you hadn't brought this I'm up, I'm sorry Chuck. I even brought this yeah. up you know, at this point. Anyway. News notes from today. A Minnetonka man was arrested, faces a felony charge of second-degree burglary after he allegedly obtained a taser, handcuffs, chemical irritant, ammunition, and other items from a Metro Transit police station. According to a statement of probable cause, 25-year-old DeMario Dante Eugene Brown discovered to have entered the Metro Transit Police Department's East Command Office in St. Paul on December 2nd. Surveillance video reportedly show a male suspect who matched Brown's description making an appearance inside the building without permission. On December 4th, St. Paul police arrested Brown for shoplifting at the Midway Walmart in St. Paul. It was then authorities found the taser in Brown's pocket, as well as the handcuffs. If charged, Brown could face a maximum sentence of 10 years and a $20,000 fine. From the official Wikipedia page, Uh donuts are usually deep-fried from a flour dough and typically either ring-shaped or a number of shapes without a hole and often filled, but can also be ball-shaped. Other types of batters can also be used in various toppings and flavorings, blah, 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 blah. Well, John, you're wrong. Well, then we can never say 42 donut again, huh? I think they're the generally accepted use 41. of 41. the term oh. donut is that they are round. Oh, yeah, I'm, I'm now, you can, have, you can have star-shaped donuts, I suppose, but generally they're going to be well, round-ish. What about a fritter? That's a donut. It's not a donut. That's a fritter. It's a fritter, Fritter yeah. is, yeah, it's, it's, it's dough, but it's... You know, fried. It's not. It's not. A, I guess it's technically a donut. Yeah, I'm sorry I brought this up. How long? Yeah, because the... you're not going to in a football game. Oh, we lost 14 fritter. Yeah, you're never going to hear that. Song. I'm not. I'm not afraid of that. 14. Is that like eight Bismarck. points? Like final. 41. Unless you lose to Bismarck, <laughs> which right. is a whole different deal. <laughs> yeah. 40, 41 donut. 41 donut. We should get That's the Bismarck Chamber of Commerce involved. Although I think they spell it differently. They spell, it with, the they spell it with a C. Plus, it's afternoon. Yeah. That, Those guys are drunk. That is, of course, Tom. <laughs> Shots fired at North Dakota. Oh, I don't know if you're aware of this, Tom, but that's where I grew up. <laughs> yeah. Is it really? That's in, why I said in, that. In Bismarck, Mandane. Mundane. Yes. Well, you. Mundane. I lived there 30 years. Was it Mundane, wow. North Dakota? Monday. <laughs> or no, Mandan. I'm sorry. Pardon you, me. So you lived there for <laughs> me. You lived there for 30. Did it seem like 60? No, I I enjoyed North Dakota. I know. You can all you can enjoy yeah, you live anywhere here now. you live. I'd go back there in a minute if I could find this job in Bismarck. Right here. This job I'm doing right now. You could now. probably do if this we could job move from the, Bismarck. We could move the show to Bismarck. <laughs> hey, I'm John Hyatt with the news on the morning show here. With crack and Zeke, right, ready to wake you up in the morning. And actually, the morning show, the most popular one, there's Phil Parker, who listeners from this market will know very well. Oh. He used to do mornings uh, over at... Uh, Phil Parker, where you park in the driveway and drive in the parkway. <laughs> and his sidekick, Ray Parker Jr. <laughs> right, right. Oh, who are you going to call? Thing. That's, right. that's, who are you going to call on the morning radio His show? best song ever. Absolutely. Well, uh, well yeah. No, it wasn't. A strong... <laughs> you're wrong again, Chris. Shockingly. Yep. A strong earthquake has shaken buildings in the Indonesian capital of Jakarta and other cities on the country's most populous island of Java. Authorities have issued a tsunami warning for parts of Java's coastline, but no injuries from the trembler were immediately reported. The U.S. Geological Survey said the earthquake, which hit just before midnight, had a magnitude of 6.5 and was about 56 miles deep. 
located inland. Indonesian Disaster Mitigation Agency spokesman Sutopo Puro Nugroho said there were reports of damage to buildings in parts of western Java. Disaster Mitigation what? Agency Agency. Spokesman. Indonesian Agency. Disaster when, Mitigation Agency spokesman. I think this show occasionally needs a disaster <laughs> mitigation agency or at least someone we could call. Many Welcome days. to the earthquake hotline. <laughs> could you please press 4 if you are in a uh, regular scale 7, press 1, press 2 for only 5, press 3 for 5, 4 or below. You know, the, when I worked in Fort Myers many years ago, I had to fill in on the assignment desk just very briefly while the assignment desk editor went to lunch or something. Right. The moment I sat down, a tsunami warning came through across the computer. Remember, I was a very young journalist. I was very impressionable. I didn't realize it was just a test. There are not a lot of tsunamis <laughs> in the Gulf of Mexico. Ah, but I immediately okay. sit down and I'm thinking, you know, I'm new to Florida. I moved there from Albert Lee, Minnesota. Would you get out the binoculars sudden, looking out there? Just, yeah, and there were no windows in the newsroom. Was, so. was somebody playing a prank on you and they just had like a, a cardboard wave that they were walking by the window? I do recall standing up in the newsroom. I think there's a tsunami warning. Should we be concerned about that? And everybody just with collective disinterest looked at me and said, ah, the new guy from Minnesota. Ah, hey, rookie, how you doing? New guy from Minnesota. True story that actually happened. Keith wow. Anderson can back me up. He was the assignment editor. Went to lunch and everything went to you know where. Yeah. <laughs> John, you got more? Uh, I think He's I'm probably much, no. You done. know we're going to do that because we're going to talk to the congressman. Oh, that's right. Uh, very soon, Congressman so Eric Paulson is going to be calling in. And we're back on Garage Logic. The deputy mayor Tom Hauser sitting in for Mayor Joe Souchere. Let's get quickly to Jonathan Uhas to talk about the day's weather. Jonathan? Okay. Hey, Mr. Deputy Mayor. We are right in the middle of things here. I'll get to the forecast very quickly, but just let me set this up for you. It's cold to the northeast of here. Temperatures only in the teens. We're at 28 here in the Twin Cities. To the west of here, it's quite warm or warmer. 33 down at Mankato right now and near 40 in far western Minnesota out near the South Dakota border. Now, that contrast in temperature will bring some light snow showers this way starting after about 4 or 5 o'clock. It won't be anything heavy, but just know we'll have periods of light snow on and off between, say, about 5 p.m. and 11 p.m. tonight and any accumulation less than a half inch but could cause some minor delays tonight for traffic. Temperatures this afternoon around 30. Then tonight we're down to 23. Partly to mostly cloudy tomorrow and we'll see a high at 32 degrees. 30 on Sunday with partly to mostly cloudy skies. Monday a little warmer high at 36 with some peaks of sun and then we look out to next Thursday and Friday. We could have a significant snowfall here in the Twin Cities. But uh, right now just cloudy and temperatures in the mid to upper 20s. All right. Thanks Jonathan. Looks like a white Christmas for sure, at this point, uh, Jonathan Yoss, we'll check in with him again in an hour. Right now, we're going to check in with Congressman Eric Paulson, kind enough to join us on the phone. And I know you've got a busy day. You're back here in Minnesota in your district. And I think you've got a conference call either coming up or you just had one with the House Ways and Means Committee about the tax bill. And what is the very latest you can tell us? I can tell you that Senator Marco Rubio has just announced in the last few minutes he is a yes on the tax bill. He got some changes to the child tax credit that he wanted uh, so I'm sure you consider that to be good news. Well, it is, it is good news, Tom. Uh, it, it's good news we're going to get this bill done uh, with votes next week, both in the Senate and in the House. And it, it's been six years in the making from my perspective. And I think Minnesotans have a lot to look forward to, not just to some tax relief with more money in their pocket, but also for small businesses, for large employers, to bring earnings back to the United States after sales are overseas to grow this economy in a very strong, competitive way with more jobs, uh, raises coming to employees, et cetera. So I'm excited because we're going down to 37% at the top rate. 
uh, which really helps pass through small businesses. We got a 21% corporate rate. We keep medical home expense deductions, uh, health care deductions, uh, which are very important for our seniors, and those with high medical costs. Uh, and we keep important education deductions, uh, which I help fight for. Uh, our local private colleges and the University of Minnesota and others uh, obviously are strong uh, for those things as well as students. Now, it does uh, cut the, eliminate the mandate that people buy health insurance. Any concern that is going to cause a lot of people to forego health insurance and put us back into a, a case where a lot of people are showing up at, at hospitals or their doctor's offices with no insurance and then the rest of us end up paying? No, not not at all. And, here, and here's why. Look, I mean, we have an individual mandate where for the first time under the Affordable Care Act, the IRS is monitoring you and me and everyone to say, if you don't have health insurance, you're going to pay a financial penalty, a tax. Um, and the IRS shouldn't be in that business. We're just saying you shouldn't be forced to buy a product you don't want to buy, which is why so many people have chosen to pay the penalty and have chosen uh, not to buy insurance because they can't afford it. And so I think 79% of that individual mandate has fallen on people in Minnesota. They earn less than 50 grand. And so it's really hit middle and low income folks hard. Um, so just putting that to the sidelines, I think, allows us to make sure that we're going to have a freer market in healthcare down the road in the future. Now, a couple of other things that are of big interest to Minnesotans. One is the deduction for state and local taxes. Obviously, we're a high-tax state here, so people like the fact they can deduct the state income taxes they're paying, as well as property taxes. Where does that stand? So it's going to, it, this is what's going to happen. It's going to be capped at $10,000 for your property tax and or as a combination with your state, uh, uh, state deduction as well. So you'll still be able to use that deduction, but it will be capped. And in exchange for that, there will be lower rates on all the different brackets of different levels of income. So you're going to be paying less in dollars in your taxes in the first place, which we'll start to see, every Minnesotan is going to start to see that in February on the withholding. They should have a bigger paycheck when the withholding tables change by the IRS, more money right off the bat. And, of course, the home mortgage interest deduction of big interest to homeowners. The cap on that, originally I think the House had proposed $500,000, which does get down into the area where that could impact middle and upper middle income, but now it's been moved up to $750,000. You have to have a mortgage worth $750,000, and anything above that you could not deduct, correct? Correct. So that's a new $750,000 level. Um, you can borrow that much from the bank for your home and still be able to deduct it. Um, and by the way, you are grandfathered in. No matter what your mortgage level is right now, if you got one home, two home, a cabin, you're grandfathered in. And going forward, it's going to be $750,000 on one or two homes. What's going to be the impact on people, since there are so many cabin owners in Minnesota? What about people with second homes in Minnesota? Will they still be able to deduct that mortgage interest? They will be able to, yep. So that's going to be retained. Uh, they'll just be capped at seven. They can't borrow more than $750,000. And that only affects like 1% of the population in the whole country. So, again, we're, we're making sure that this is going to be usable and effective for those who, who really do need that, that benefit, maybe to buy their first home, their second home, or, 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 or a cabin. So let's make sure I've, I've got this clear. So if, let's say you have a, 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 a both a primary homestead uh, home and then you've got a second home. Is that 750000 Can that be split between the two? If you have a $400,000 mortgage on your home and you have a, a $300,000 mortgage or whatever on a, on a cabin, can you do it that way? 
You know, that's a, I'll have to look into that, Tom, because they were actually finalizing that in the last final days. Uh, and when we have, we're going to have our conference call with our, our members in, in a half hour. Um, I'll ask about that. Uh, I think it may be per house, house, primary, per residence, not per, per household. Okay. So, so not like the state and local taxes and the, and the property taxes where you can combine those. This might be, uh, based on, uh, individual homes that you might own. Yeah. Okay. Correct. Correct. And I'll and I'll double check and make sure. But, but okay, because obviously in the right direction. Because in Minnesota, we probably have more cabins and second homes than than yeah. most states. So that would be of, of interest. Now it's a one point five trillion dollar tax cut. Critics will say that is a one point five trillion dollar addition to the deficit because they're the only way Republicans are are saying this is going to be paid for is by uh, strong economic growth. Everybody paying more taxes based on that economic growth. What if that doesn't happen? Well, look, I mean, this this is a tax plan. You can't go one penny over one point five trillion. You can't add one dime, one penny more over the next ten years to the deficit or to the national debt. Um, and we are expected, according to the Congressional Budget Office, to collect forty three trillion dollars in revenue if the economy continues on our current slow growth trajectory. Now, if we add growth, as this plan is expected to do, above 2% to, say, 2.5% annually, the package could pay for itself. Um, if it doesn't, look, our $20 trillion debt is going to rise accordingly. But tax reform is really about investing in the economy, where we're buying an updated tax code with faster growth. And what I think faster growth buys all of us is a new national discussion about how to curtail spending and reduce our debt, because we can't live on one side of the ledger. Congressman, just 20 seconds left. When is this likely to hit the House and Senate floors? The expectation is it'll move first in the Senate, either Monday evening or Tuesday morning, with a prompt vote in the House one day after that, finished uh, by mid to late next week. All right. Republican Congressman Eric Paulson, thank you for joining us. Best of luck as you continue these final negotiations as a member of the House Ways and Means Committee. Again, thank you for joining us today. Okay, thanks, Tom. We'll be back. Next hour, Tom Hauser, the deputy mayor of Garage Logic, coming up on a Scramble Friday, 1500 ESPN is KSTP St. Paul.